Hi, I'm Perry, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Hello and welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 340. I'm your host, Perry Romanowski, and with me today is Valerie George. Hello, Valerie. Hi, Perry. It's been a little while since we've connected, but uh, travel will do that. And summer break. Oh, yeah, summer break. Well, on today's show, with all new content, we're going to be answering questions about whether biotechnology is going to revolutionize the beauty industry. Do products designed for tattoos actually work? Is it okay to mix retinol with regular skincare products? And does poly L lactic acid work as a topical ingredient? But first, uh, Valerie, what's going on with you? Just been very busy with the summer with projects with travel you've been traveling seeing i have been traveling yeah yeah i just got back from a show in las vegas for work called cosmoprof las vegas it's a uh, professional beauty uh show meaning uh for nail technicians for products sold in spas products sold in salons that kind of stuff it's turning into a bit more of a consumer beauty show, not just the professional world. But when I was there, I saw Jenny McCarthy. Oh, you did, I Jenny did. McCarthy. I she, now she's some sort of actress. You know, you know what I remember right? about Jenny McCarthy. What I remember about her most. What it's like when the internet was just first starting out. She was like in the Guinness Book of World Records as the most downloaded picture on the internet for a little while. Wow, yeah, that's a sign of the times. Well, I was like, oh my gosh, Jenny McCarthy, is she starting a beauty line? And then I forgot she already has one. She does? Wow, that's not surprising. Formless Beauty, and it's more like lip gloss, eyeshadows, that kind of Ah. stuff. Yeah. Oh. Okay. But she was there with her crew looking at hideous packaging booths. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to do something in the beauty industry to make your product stand out. First, you could be a celebrity. Uh, next, you could have packaging changes, a brand name, a story. But the hardest thing to make it stand out is to make your products uh, perform differently, especially for color cosmetics, right? Yeah, there's not much you can do. Uh, but that's what happened with me in the last couple weeks, aside from some production nightmares, sweating my butt off in the heat. Huh. Uh, yeah. It is hot. it is hot here in the U.S. Well, you know what happened to me when I... So I went to Colorado. You know, it was like a nine-day trip when we drove. And when I got home... I, uh, a fabulous uh, trip, by the way. I went to see the Taylor Swift concert and... Uh, <laughs> That was an amazing experience. Uh, every wow. you know, there's like seventy thousand people in this football stadium, and everybody knew all the words to all the songs. Well, except it, me, but oh, you know the <laughs> words. Come on. No, I know the words to some of the songs, but these people knew like every word to every song, and they were screaming at the top of their lungs. Uh, but they did some really cool stuff, and I have to say, what an impressive performer she was on stage for. You know, over three hours, she did like 44 songs, took no breaks, and the, she did like, you know, 12 or a dozen costume changes. Like she would disappear during a song and come out as some new outfit or something. But 
a pretty amazing show. I has to say. be exhausting. Wow. <laughs> I know, uh, but it was a, a lovely place, and I did not know like the stadium bleachers in a football stadium that are made out of concrete could actually shake and rumble. <laughs> I was a little worried the place was going to oh come god. crashing down. <laughs> You're a Swifty. Oh my god, <laughs> I, I got Swiftyitis. Well, anyway, you know what happened? So I get back from this trip, and guess what's in my yard? A yeah. new batch, oh. a new batch of kittens. Oh my goodness. I thought you've been I, capturing and fixing all of them. Well, or, so, there was or this, someone dropping these off, like a kitten's like, no. you know what guy's going to take care of my kittens? That guy. No, earlier in the summer, earlier in the summer, this uh, this one cat I call Blue had four kittens. Mm-hmm. And July 4th, one disappeared, and then last and two weeks ago, the other three disappeared. I don't know what happened to them. I think somebody must have come around and picked them up or something. I hope. That's what I'm going with, and... and they're, they have happy homes right now. Um, or they're but, in a happy place. And, exactly. They're happy. So I thought the kitten season was over. And then I get home and then there's these four kittens. They're actually in my neighbor's yard. And then they heard me come and they uh, snuck under the fence and got into my yard. And they were hungry as all heck. Because what happened here was their mother, who was another cat I was feeding, called uh, Lil Blue, because she was like a blue clone but she was smaller and friendlier she's gone i i don't i don't know what happened to her she just disappeared that's very strange but i'm glad you could take care of the kittens yeah so now i got these four kittens they're only like three weeks old so i have to like feed them with a bottle and give them you know it's a lot of work taking care of kittens yeah but you've captured them right they're inside i captured them they're they're not like the kittens from last year they're actually quite friendly they come up to me they they climb up my legs they they, now they see me as their mother but uh the the ones i had last year were super frightened anytime they would they run and hide from me these ones friendly as all heck so if anyone needs kittens uh let me know mother (laughs) mother perry yeah i'm in the chicago area so so there you go (laughs) You know what? Before we move on to the questions, uh, we got some listener feedback. Oh, we do. We do. You know, you know how I've been toying with uh, some. I, I don't know if anyone noticed, but I've been toying with AI-generated voices. I find them highly amusing. I don't like Valerie them. a little less so. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> so here we get to this. Uh, this Simone writes. She says, "Hi, I absolutely love your podcast, but those AI voices reading out the questions is driving me insane. Please stop." Yay! I agree. <laughs> they sound so impersonal, and it puts me off listening to the questions. Oh, <laughs> so I thought it was. Yeah, that was nice to get mix it up, get different voices out there. But uh, you had your fun. Now you're done. <laughs> Well, I can't say that I'm going to be completely done because I have had some feedback where people are like, hey, I like the voice you gave me. So I probably won't use them as much, but I might drop them in every so often. Well, thanks for the feedback, Simone. I appreciate your support. <laughs> uh, oh, we also got something from Rachel. Uh, remember you you were mentioning those Loom deodorant uh, commercials? <laughs> yeah, where it's like boobs, butt crack, rah, rah. it drives us crazy. <laughs> well, I have to say, Rachel is a fan. She says, hey, Beauty Brands, I have tried the Loom deodorant. It is expensive, but it does work well. Oh, interesting. However, it smells really strange when you first put it on. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the mandelaic acid. 
Oh, mandelic acid. Sometimes these uh, alpha hydroxy acids have a really sour type odor to them. Yeah, that's a good point. Lactic acid is the same, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she says, uh, and it discolored my armpits. What? They had a slightly yellow-green hue, like a healing bruise. As such, I will not be repurchasing it. Oh, <laughs> But my thanks for the awesome show. Goodness, but it works. <laughs> so it works, but your armpits will turn yellow-green. that's not attractive well Rachel I hope you inform the brand because having information like that uh, keeps the brand accountable to address that issue because that sounds abnormal I'm not sure what could be doing that in the formula yeah that's uh, interesting maybe look into that a little bit more all right should we move on to the question sent in yes Leah from patreon says I'm currently watching the Today Show, and they did a segment on Archaea, who is using biology to better skincare. Apparently, Chanel and Olaplex have already invested. An example they gave us was that fish don't get sunburned, so what can we use from fish to help with sunscreen for humans? My questions are, is this new? I would think the bigger companies are doing this on some level. Are you aware of anyone else in this space? Do you think this has a potential to become a thing? Thank you. Well, thank you, Leah, and thank you for being a supporter on Patreon. If you want to support the show on Patreon and keep us ad-free, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe at any level. You also get a higher priority of your questions, so we answer them as quickly as possible. Okay, to this question, you know what this is called, Valerie? What is it called? I, I know the, I know you know, but I'm asking you like you don't know, but you do know. This is called biomimicry. biomimicry. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> we had to say that at the same time, you see. Right. <laughs> so biomimicry is just the, the notion, exactly what you said. You look at nature and you say, hey, nature has found a solution to some problem. Mm-hmm. How can we do that and bring that into products for human beings? And uh I know that I was looking at this when I was in the innovation group. We were looking at biomimicry. So to the to the question, is anyone else in this space doing this? I would say pretty much any medium to large size beauty company has at least some researchers looking at biomimicry or the solutions in nature to uh, to apply to cosmetics. And additionally, there are research groups, for example, at The Ohio State University already working in this arena. I remember my uh, one of my colleagues, my employees, had put on a scientific seminar for the Society of Cosmetic Chemists, and she was very proud to have real researchers come. Usually it's people from raw material companies who are researchers too, but uh, independent of the beauty industry researchers. And we had two speakers speak on their lab's work on biomimicry and finding consumer product good solutions. So it's definitely not new. Other people are doing it. But Perry, I will give you a fun fact. And I hope she's listening. There are a couple Arkea employees who are Beauty Brains fans. Oh, wow. Yeah. uh, Yeah. We're glad to hear that. So so let's get to some of these questions. Um, Is this new? And I would think bigger companies would be doing this on some level. Uh, As far as it being new, uh, biochemistry is one of those fields that has been developing rapidly. We're, you know, we're able to sequence, uh, take the sequence of a protein and figure out the folding structure now. That is a whole recent development, and that sort of leads to figuring out what specific uh, 
function a protein will have and what effect it might have. So there's more research coming or more discoveries being made about bio biochemicals and in that way yeah this is very exciting and a lot of we're talking about new ingredients new in the and grand do, scheme of science yes it, yeah in the grand scheme of science well whether those turn into beauty product ingredients we'll see or have any real impact there we'll see but yeah i do think this does have potential if you're looking for any innovation in beauty products i think biotechnology or this kind of biomimicry is really the place where you're going to see the most significant impact. Exactly. We're seeing a lot of even just non-biomimicry work in the biotech space to produce ordinary beauty ingredients that have been produced in other conventional ways. Um, you know, it's been interesting because a lot of people will say, you know, biotechnology is more sustainable. It's not always more sustainable. It depends on what the ingredient is and that kind of stuff. But I think we'll definitely start to see more ingredient inventions in this space. Now, whether they get directly to the consumer and the consumer understands the coolness of it, that'll be a different story for the brands to tell. But Right, right. And whether it's going to be some sort of impact that you actually notice, that's probably pretty hard to do at, at this point. But, you know, never say never. Um, there's, there's certainly room for improvement in beauty products. So as far as Arkea goes, they're sort of an outsiders in the industry. So whether they can bring some new ideas, uh, they, they probably can. Whether those ideas will actually have an impact, uh, that's uh, much dif more difficult to see. Uh, they had some technology about deodorant featured on the Today Show. Um, where they talk about using biological rather than chemical perspective. And they talk about uh, they used information about the microbiota and... I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, but I'm still going to use my aluminum salts for uh, for a product that's going to work. I might use Loom. I'm not sure. Oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's too Loom. soon. Rachel doesn't want me to. I'll give it a... Yeah, I'll pass. All right, Valerie. We have an audio question from Lara. Hi, Valerie and Perry. This is Lara again from Edmonton, Canada. And just wanted to say thanks for answering my previous question about shampoo. Now I have a question about uh, body skin care, specifically tattoo skin care. Uh, so there are a few brands out there that have products that claim to keep your tattoos vibrant and keep them from fading. And I just wonder if the ingredients in these products actually do what they claim. Now for myself personally, I believe that they've kept my tattoos nice and vibrant, but that also could be a result of me moisturizing my skin every day, which before I had tattoos, I did not do that regularly. So just wondering if the ingredients are plausible to the claims or if it's just marketing hokey. Thanks so much. First of all, Perry, how do we know this really was Lara's voice? <laughs> this was actually Lara's voice. Uh, actually, uh, I did not, uh, I did not uh, do an AI on this one. So this was right. actual Lara. <laughs> do not I, trick me and Simone. We don't want. Actually, it. we we do appreciate getting real voices. So if you want your real voice and a question answered, just record it on your smartphone and send an email to thebeautybrains at gmail .com. Well, back to Lara's question, you know, it's very interesting because tattoo uh, care has 
it's not new. It's been around for a while. There's been brands in and out of the market. And it's a great question because do tattoos need care? I would, I don't have two tattoos myself, but I would definitely say. Hey, I don't have any either. We're, I guess we're not cool. Oh my gosh. But tattoos, believe it or not, are regulated. The inks at least are regulated by the cosmetics industry or at least cosmetics regulations. So we do know a little bit about it, but basically um, when you get a tattoo, you've created a lot of injury to the skin at first. And so you do need to care for it at the very beginning uh, to make sure that you get the the best looking tattoo results for your skin. Yeah, typically there's a lot of inflammation and there's certainly a lot of redness around the area. Yeah, and you need the skin to say uh, moist, that kind of thing. But ongoing, the pigments are not in the top layers of your skin. They're actually deep down in the dermis. And skincare is not generally reaching this area, right? So anything you're doing is to impact the topical outermost layers of skin, your stratum corneum, which is dead skin. So I would say from this perspective, there's nothing magic about tattoo skincare other than they're treating the outer layers of your skin, which may help your tattoo look a little bit brighter and more clear, uh, especially if you don't have all this dead skin hanging over it. But that would be once your tattoo healed. Now there is one exception, Perry. What product do you think is the exception that anyone with a tattoo should be using? Well, I think if you look at what's going to break down pigments, probably the most obvious thing would be uh, sunlight, right? Exactly. So that means tattooed individuals, well, all individuals really, but especially if you want to protect this tattoo, you want to be keeping it out of the sun, first of all. But if you're going to be in the sun, make sure you're lathering sunscreen thickly all over it uh, to protect the ink particles because ink particles are, are very electron rich and the UV light breaks up these electrons, which effectively breaks down the color molecule. So your color uh, will either fade, it'll change in tone, uh, depending on the, the, the pigment or the ink that's being right. used. So you want to make sure you're practicing very good sun safety. Yeah, there really are two things that are going to break down the pigments over time, and that is uh, you know, UV exposure and also, you know, oxidation reactions that are just naturally going on in your skin. And so if you had a product, if you wanted to prolong the way that the ink looks good, uh, a UV protection and an, some antioxidant uh, protection. Um, now, I say that with a caveat. So when you see these tattooed products, they all say, they have antioxidants. Not all of them use the UV blockers, but they should be if uh, you if they were going to work very well. But having said all that, this is only temporary. And there's pretty much nothing you're going to be able to do really long term to keep that tattoo looking the same way it did when you first got it uh, over years. You know, so uh, that's, then when it comes down to it, all of these products are. Just moisturizers with a good story saying that there are four tattoos, but I think any moisturizer is going to work. Yeah, the, the routine is the biggest part. I always say that. Okay, let's move on to the next question. This question comes to us from Karen. She says, hi, Valerie and Perry. I'm a longtime fan and listener of the Beauty Brains podcast. My question is about retinol. I have eczema, so I need very thick emollient type moisturizers like Eucerin or Aquaphor to keep my skin from feeling dry, itchy, and tight. 
I'd like to also use retinol moisturizer for my body, but I find them to be too light for my skin's needs. So what I do is I mix a tub of Aquaphor ointment with my retinol lotion in a one-to-one -one ratio, and I apply it after a shower. I do that to just simplify my nighttime routine, honestly, so I can apply one product instead of two. So call me lazy or very busy. Yes, we'll call you busy. <laughs> but from listening to your show, I'm wondering if this practice of mixing the two products in large quantities is a smart thing to do. I have heard your answer other listeners' question about cocktailing ingredients for the face, and I believe that you both advised against it but thought it would be acceptable to cocktail them in the palm of your hands at the time of application rather than pre-mixing. So, would I be diluting or changing the formulation of retinol by mixing with an ointment? I'm hoping I don't have to apply separately for the retinol to still work. What do you think, Beauty Brains? Thanks, you guys are awesome, and we'll follow whatever you advise. Ooh, a lot of pressure mm. here. Mm -hmm. um, thanks, Karen. So, what do you think of this practice, Valerie? I think it's probably okay. I mean, the one thing about retinol is that dose is really important. One, for efficacy, but two, uh, so that you don't apply too much to your body because it is it is really an active molecule. It's something that really works. And so when I hear it's for the body, I get a little nervous because that's a lot of skin area. But right. the good news is when you are adding it with your aquaphor ointment in a one-to-one -one ratio, you're effectively cutting the retinol concentration that you're dosing to your body in half. So I think that's a plus. That's the one thing we didn't get disclosed here was the, the retinol concentration. So I would say if you aren't having any topical issues, it probably might be okay. Uh, Aquaphor is pretty innocuous. It's a very plain formula. There's not a lot of stuff going on in it. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm not worried about too many foo-foo ingredients causing an interaction. Uh, but I would just make sure you're not applying super large concentrated doses to your body. I probably think you're not because you have the eczema, but I don't want to assume. Right. And I, I would I would agree with that. The thing that she mentions is she does this right before she applies it. So essentially she applies both in her hand and mixes it in her hand, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's a perfectly acceptable way to do this. Um, it, what wouldn't be acceptable is if you, like, mixed your two things in a container and you just kept using that same container um, over yeah. a long period of time, right? Because we don't know the interactions of all the chemicals in one formula versus the other. If you're just doing it, like mixing it and then immediately applying it, I, I don't see that there's a lot of problem with that. And so it should continue to be as effective as it, it would be if you did them separately. Yeah, I agree. So Karen, just keep an eye out basically on everything. And if you, you know, skin starts not to feel right, I discontinue the practice. But for now, you're probably okay. Yeah, I think so. All right. Looks like we have time for one more question before both of you and I have to go do do our jobs. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, Valerie, why don't you read this one from Maya? Maya says, Hi, Perry and Valerie. I'm a longtime listener of your podcast. I enjoy learning the science behind why chemicals and beauty products do or don't work, and you've helped me avoid falling for marketing hype. What I don't enjoy is these artificial AI voices that you keep using. Oh, she didn't say that. What? <laughs> Wait a I'm just kidding. Maya didn't say that, but she, you know, we've helped Maya avoid falling for marketing hype. We need more reliable research-based beauty advice. I have a question uh, for the podcast. I was hoping you could answer. 
Do topical products containing PLLA, polylactic acid, work the way the injectable form does? Can PLLA even penetrate the stratum corneum? Brands like House of PLLA and Estheticians are pushing PLLA as a topical ingredient meant to be applied to the skin, but I haven't seen any evidence that it works when used that way. Thanks for all you do, Maya. PLLA. It's a, it's fun to say. PLLA. Pla. <laughs> Pla. So this is uh, PLLA, poly L lactic acid. Well, lactic acid is an ingredient that's typically used as an exfoliator. It's an alpha hydroxy acid, and it's well known to work to do that. PLLA is used by dermatologists as, or cosmetic dermatologists, as an injectable. So they actually take needles and fill it right in where you need mm-hmm. to your, need your face filled, mm-hmm. I guess. So, but when they do that, they in, they actually inject the ingredient down into your der- dermal layer. And what it does there, purportedly, I, I imagine they keep doing it, so it probably does do this, but it will help to stimulate the production of collagen. Mm. And so that will help to fill in uh, some lighter areas of your of your skin, of your body. So, uh, so it actually works as that. And it doesn't break down really quickly, and so the effect will be long-lasting. However, it is a molecule that does eventually break down in your body, so there's no uh, safety concern there because it actually breaks down. Uh, lactic acid is found throughout your body. So, Well, the thing about poly-L lactic acid is that it's a polymer, right? Hence this poly. Right. It's a very big molecule. And I think there's a reason it probably needs to be injected to do these things. Yes, and that reason is the size of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that gets us to the topical part. Like, the, is it working topically? What What is your thoughts, Valerie, on whether it's working topically? I would say working in the same way that it does as an injectable, absolutely not. I mean, I think there's a reason that there isn't evidence for this. One reason could be people aren't studying it. But I, I think the real reason is that it's so big, it cannot penetrate into the skin, not even into the stratum corneum, which is the outermost layer of your skin. So there's no way it's getting even down to the dermis where it can do the same things that as an injectable could do. You know, I thought of an analogy of this. Yeah. Uh, now, it's there's actually a thing in skincare called the... Or, in, in cosmetics called the 500 Dalton rule. Yep. Typically, a molecule, if it's 500 Daltons or smaller, then it's able to penetrate the skin, the, the dermis, and, you know, depending on things, it could get all the way down to the epidermis. But molecules like this poly-L-lactic acid uh, is just too big. Now, if you want to think of an analogy, I like to think of your skin as like this uh, tightly woven net and the molecules are like different size balls. And so like a ping pong ball could maybe could go right through it. Yep. Like if you're thinking of a net, like a, I don't know, badminton net or something, ping pong balls can go right through that. Now, if you take a basketball, you try to put it through there, what's going to happen? It's not going to go through the net. <laughs> so that's the same way these molecules are on your skin. Uh, smaller molecules can penetrate, bigger molecules just stay on the top. And so when people are putting this PLLA topically, there's even if it could stimulate collagen, which perhaps it does, 
uh, it's just never going to get to the dermis and be able to do that. So it's just sitting on top of your skin. And it's a polymer, so it's going to work, you know, it'll create a film or it could help reduce water loss within the skin. It's going to do the things that big film forming molecules like a big hyaluronic acid would do on the skin. Exactly. It's going to work work like that. And so in that way, yeah, it works. But in the way that you're expecting it as an injectable, no, it's not going to work. And you might say, well, why are estheticians uh, pushing this? And, you know, why are, why are brands like House of PLLA pushing this? Well, because they want you to buy their products. And, um, you know, if you just said, oh, here, buy my moisturizer, you know, there's lots of moisturizers. If you need a reason to believe PLLA gives you that story because it does actually work if it's injected. Mm-hmm. And so people are more inclined to believe that it's going to do something when it's topically applied. There's just very little evidence that act, that actually happens. Yeah, it seems like good logic, but unfortunately, that's not how it works. But Maya, you already knew that. <laughs> and she did. Yeah. And you know what she didn't know, though? Is that the show has come to an end. Can you hear that music? Yep. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Frank and Butch need me. Yeah, and uh, so do the uh, porch kittens. (laughs) If anyone needs a kitten, let me know. Hey, if you get a chance, can you go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review? That will help other people find the show and ensure we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer. Speaking of questions, we could use a few new ones, so this is a good time to send some in. And again, if you guys have a question, we, meaning me and Simone, and hopefully some other people, do not want these artificial AI voices on here, so please, please, please record your question on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. And the Beauty Brains are on Patreon. You might notice, unlike a lot of other shows, we don't take any commercials or plug our own products. Uh, But we do rely on listener support to keep the show going. So if you want to support the show and get your questions a higher priority, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe. Also, don't forget to follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at thebeautybrains2018. On Twitter, we're at thebeautybrains. We have a Facebook page and a TikTok. Hey, do they still call it Twitter or is it just X? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what's going on anymore. Yeah, who knows? Well, thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everyone. Cue the kittens. Kittens.